morning. I'm Pastor Nick. Welcome to our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. We hope today's message will be a help to you. May God bless you. Well, my friends, uh, I'd appreciate it if you could uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 22 for the message. 2 Kings chapter 22. Why don't you just stand and, and let's just pray for a moment. Let's just, just stand, please, would you? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful message and song from Jan. We thank you for the words that are so precious and so meaningful in, in that song. And may it be that you would help each one of us to, to be beautiful in our own way through the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of your Holy Spirit. Let it be so, dear God. And may you help all of us to contribute to the whole, the whole privilege of being a beautiful church family for your honor and for your glory. And now, Lord, I pray that you would help you would help me to communicate your truth, and may you, may you help each of us to hear and to act upon the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Please feel free to be seated. There was a man whose name was King Josiah. I have been speaking about him for several messages. He lived and ruled the nation of Judah, which was a part of the Holy Land back about 2,600 years ago. That was a long time ago, of course, but the life lessons that we discover from King Josiah are very precious and very relevant to all of our lives if we would give attention to them. Some years after Josiah became king of Judah, he became very convicted very disturbed, in fact, that the people were not living the way they should and that the majority of people in his nation were displeasing God. He was very bothered by the fact that they were not, they were not living godly, holy lives. After a part of the Bible was found in the temple, after a part of the Bible was discovered in the temple in Jerusalem, and the Bible portion was read to him, King Josiah was shocked by what the Bible said, and scholars tell us it was probably either uh, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy that was found. Some say maybe more likely just Deuteronomy. But anyway, when that, that part of the Bible was read to him, he was disturbed. And 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23 record for us the huge changes that he began to make in his country. Josiah began to bring about reform, to bring about change, and to bring about spiritual revival and the message of holiness throughout his nation in order to try to get his country back on the right track, God's track. 
Look at the uh, first couple of verses. We, we looked at these a few weeks ago. First couple of verses of 2 Kings 22 say, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. And that is a great summary of his life. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Now in a previous message, the first uh, lesson or question that we considered was, how will you and I be remembered? How will you and I be remembered? King Josiah is remembered as a person who did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. I just read that to you. His father and grandfather, however, are remembered as men who, quote, did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And I challenged us with that question, how will you and you and I be remembered? We came then to a second question, and it was this. Uh, another topic that we dealt with was, how did King Josiah turn out to be so different from his father and mother, or his father and grandfather, rather? King Josiah is remembered for doing what, what, what was right and good and proper in the Lord's sight. His father and grandfather are remembered for doing what was evil in the Lord's sight. Then we, we talked uh, from uh, Josiah about the question, do you realize and appreciate how the Lord can use young people in his service? If you didn't hear those messages, uh, a few weeks ago, you, you can turn. You can turn to our church website and look for life lessons from King Josiah, parts one and two. Now today, in part three of life lessons from King Josiah, we come to this next very important truth. The truth is this. Be an honest and trustworthy person. Be an honest and trustworthy person. This truth came to my mind from verse 7, verse 7 in 2 Kings 22, which says, But don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. They are honest and trustworthy men. Somehow, King Josiah knew that the construction supervisors on the temple renovation project, they were, they were um, fixing up the temple. The temple had been uh, overlooked and it had been falling apart in some sections for many years because the previous kings uh, couldn't care less. And so now King Josiah had ordered and given... Uh, the opportunity for the, the rebuilding of the temple, and essentially a big renovation project. So it says that these individuals, the construction supervisors, were honest and 
trustworthy. It's wonderful, it's wonderful for a statement like that to be made about a person or persons, persons, isn't it? It's just really wonderful that that statement is made. And I'm so delighted to be able to say that our, here in our Rosewood Church, our volunteer church treasurer, Bobita, who sits in the front row here, and I don't even have to pay her to sit in the front row. Bobita and her family sit there. Bobita is honest and trustworthy, as was our previous treasurer, Bill. And by the way, I, I also know that our volunteer offering counting team members are honest and trustworthy. And that's the way, of course, we want it to be, right? Um, someone wanted to applaud there. Go ahead, that's, go ahead. That's, that's a very, very appropriate response, right? By the way, even when you know, even when you know that people are honest and trustworthy, it is still wise to have good procedures, right? Thank you, Anthony, thank you. It is wise to have good procedures for everyone's benefit. For, for example, in regards to our volunteer church offering counting teams, uh, we have rules. We have rules such as, uh, number one, there has to be at least two offering counting members or else the offering cannot be counted. It has to remain in a very big, strong safe. All right? And usually there are four to five counters when they count the offering. That's one of our rules. Another rule is... Uh, none of the pastors, none of the pastors or church staff members are allowed to be on the offering counting team. And why is that a rule? Well, that is so that none of you would ever have a reason to say, oh, I wonder, I wonder if when Pastor Nick or Pastor Lisa are counting the offering, I wonder if they stuff their pockets with a few hundred dollar bills uh, or a bunch of 20s. You, you know what I mean? Uh, the truth is, some of you, not all of you fortunately, but some of you are skeptical people, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Some of you are skeptical people, and one of the ways that we try to stay ahead of your skepticism is by making sure we pastors and other staff members are not involved in the counting of the offering. Now, it's, not, it's hardly ever that I'm able to say anything about the offering teams, and so I just thought this kind of fit in. And while I'm saying this, I, I really do want to express a, a deep appreciation to our offering team members. They, they, they're here today, and I want to say thank you, offering team members. We are grateful for your service. Thank you to our treasurer, all volunteers, all volunteers, Praise God, all right? Amen. Uh, by the way, sometimes some of you hand an offering envelope to Pastor Lisa and to me, and you ask us to put it into the offering plate. Well, we want to cooperate with you, but to be honest with you, I'm just being honest, to be honest with you, 
If possible, ideally, we would prefer, Pastor Lisa would prefer, I would prefer, Pastor Cindy would prefer, if you would actually put your offering in the plate on your own or, or give it to someone else to put in the offering plate. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say it? I say it mainly, mainly because Pastor Lisa and I, for example, we, we never want you to wonder if your donation got into the offering plate, right? Especially if your offering envelope had cash. Also, we pastors have to try to protect ourselves from false accusations. You didn't know I was that smart, did you? Uh, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I, I went to see a man by appointment at his home who was going into hospital the next day for a major operation. The man was a relative of someone in our church. I went to see him, encourage him, read scripture and pray for him in anticipation of his major surgery. When I got to his home, there were, um, I think, seven or eight close family members all sitting around the very large, beautiful dining room table. All of those family members had lived somewhere else, but uh, they arrived at his home to also encourage and express their love before their brother had the big operation the next day. Of course, I joined in the conversation, sat down and joined in the discussion and had a wonderful time with them, just a marvelous family. And I was so uh, touched by the fact that these family members arrived at his home to just see him and pray for him and encourage him. Anyway, about 45 minutes into our visit, one of the brothers said to me, one of the brothers said, Pastor Nick, we really appreciate you coming over to see our brother, to read from the Bible and pray for him and, and just uh, encourage him before his surgery. So this dear brother pulled out, he pulled out a $50 bill and said, uh, I, I want to make, make this donation to your church. And he kindly handed me the $50 bill. Now, obviously, I, I could have kept it and put it into Sunday's offering plate. But fortunately, fortunately, on that occasion, I was quick thinking and I said, brother, you have a dear family member here who is usually at our church on Sunday mornings. Uh, let me pass that $50 bill to him and let him have the privilege of putting it into the offering plate. Now, why did I do that? Was it because I didn't want, you know, to carry a one ounce $50 bill? Why did I do that? Because for the rest of the week, I did not want, I did not want those nine or 10 family members or so to wonder, to wonder, is that preacher going to uh, keep that $50 bill for himself or will he put it into the church offering plate? All right? Thank you. Where, where's my hallelujah sister there? All right. Yeah, you see, different things bless different people, right? We pastors and leaders have to try hard 
not only, not only to be honest and trustworthy, but we have to appear to be honest and trustworthy, especially when it comes to money. All right? Anyway, the example of the construction supervisors in Josiah's day who were honest and trustworthy can be a reminder to us to be honest and trustworthy people, whether we are a pastor or a layperson or whatever. It really doesn't matter. The question is, are you and am I honest and trustworthy? Here are a few Bible verses about being honest and, and trustworthy. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21. Now these are going to appear on the screen. I want, I want to ask you to read them with me, all right? Read them with me so you can practice, exercise your vocal cords, all right? 2 Corinthians 8, 21, together. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. Ephesians 4, 25. So stop telling lies let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And 1 John 1, verse 6. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Right? My friends, we are talking about being honest and trustworthy. How, how do you define a trustworthy person? Here's the answer. A trustworthy person is reliable, responsible, and can be trusted completely. That's the answer. Are you a trustworthy person? Am I? By the way, is there, is, is there a need, some of you might be wondering, is there a need for me or any preacher to preach on this topic of honesty and being trustworthy? Oh, okay, I'm glad to hear that a lot of you think, realize that there is a need, okay? I'm, I'm hoping that the following study is not correct. Or let me say, at least it should not be correct pertaining to Christians. This study that I came across should not be how it is with Christians. All right, so to our technicians, please, if you could reveal, as I speak, one by one, these items, all right? So I'm hoping the following study is not correct. I read about how an average person lies one to two times a day. I thought, really? That shouldn't be the normal. Further, 60% of people 
lie at least once in a 10-minute conversation. I thought, really? Wow. I, I really hope this is not correct. At least, it better not be correct about us Christians. Okay, next one. Men lie six times a day on average. <laughs> Men. What's, what's wrong with the, the male segment of the race? Men lie six times a day on average. Now don't show the women yet, don't show. <laughs> While women lie, how many times, according to this research, how many times a day do you think women lie? Uh, I'm hearing all kinds of answers here. Uh, how many of you think that uh, women lie less than us men? Women lie less? Well, it, it's hard to know, but it, it seems like maybe it's 50-50. Uh, I, I don't know, what, whatever. Okay, all right. Well, well, the good news is, according to this study, women lie on average three times. Three times a day. All right, what do you see up there? Uh, so congratulations, ladies. You do better than us men. Congratulations. Men, give them a hand. Give them a hand, right? Here's another fact. 40% of people lie on their resumes. Some of you are saying, oh, I'm not surprised about that one. Right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Once again, I hope, I hope that whoever did that study, I hope that's not the reality for us as Christians. I sincerely hope that is not the reality. Okay? All right. So we're talking about being honest and trustworthy. At the same time, we have to learn to give each other some, some grace, some slack, and some understanding, and know that occasionally, occasionally, any of us can make a mistake, even you, and you, and you, and you up in the balcony, you looking, viewing online, any of us can make a mistake, including me. Would you like to hear about a mistake I recently made, which perhaps I could have been arrested for. Someone said, oh yeah, please tell us, tell us. <laughs> Who is that over there? Yeah, someone else just woke up. Okay, all right. This is, this is true, unfortunately. And I wasn't sure whether to tell you because some of you are quick to hold things against me, all right? But recently, recently, I stopped, stopped in at the Walmart just down the street here, not on Sunday, I never shop on Sundays. I stopped in at the Walmart to buy some groceries. I was in a hurry, and so I rushed, I rushed through the store uh, picking up the groceries that we needed. I went to the self-checkout department to pay for my groceries 
because the lineup wasn't as big as at the regular cashiers. And uh, even in the self-checkout, there, there was crowding. There was crowding and confusion in the self-checkout department. But I quickly, I quickly scanned my groceries. I scanned them. I, I even remembered to scan three of those beautiful blue bags at 35 cents, you know. So I even remembered to scan the blue bags. Um, I quickly packed my bags, put them in the buggy, and I started to leave the cash register, whatever you want to call it, the payment, the payment center. I started to leave it. When I got about 10 feet, about 10 feet away from the register, a store employee, Peter, a store employee tapped me on the shoulder and said, sir, your credit card didn't go through. I, I said, really? Really? I turned around, of course, I went back to the cash register and I realized not only did my credit card not go through, I hadn't even paid. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't even paid. So when the store employee said, sir, your credit card didn't go through, it was her nice way of saying, you did not pay. Now I thank the employee for telling me, and of course, I pressed the buttons, you know, and paid with my credit card. I, I often pay with my credit card so as to, to, um, to build up my aeroplan points, okay? Uh, I, I pay off my credit card at the end of the month, but you know, I like to get aeroplan points so that every few years I get a free flight, okay? Uh, anyway, I think, I think my bill, my bill was uh, about $107, $107 or so. I thanked the employee again for pointing out my mistake and I left. I sincerely had absolutely, absolutely no intention of stealing the $107 worth of groceries, but that's what happened. Probably halfway to my car, I, I would have realized that I had forgotten to pay and I would have gone back, fortunately. I would have gone back, but fortunately, a sharp young lady noticed that my car did not go through. Right? So, I suppose, I suppose that the young employee could have called store security. She could have called store security and said, security, you, you need to tackle this guy. You need to tackle this guy in a suit and tie before he steals his groceries. <laughs> I don't know exactly how the stores operate, but I suppose she could have done that. Fortunately, she tapped me on the shoulder nicely and said, Sir, your credit card didn't go through. In other words, she showed grace. She showed grace. And I don't think she's ever heard any of my sermons. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We are almost out of time. This is Pastor Nick Stavropoulos. If you would like to hear and or watch the whole message, please go to our website, 
rosewoodchurch.ca. Our biggest concern is that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the grave and is now in heaven, preparing a place for all of us who believe. Today, I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, I pray, amen. If you would like to contact us at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, our phone number is 416-298-9932. Our email is office at rosewoodchurch.ca. This ministry is supported financially by people like you. If you would like to make a donation, you can send your gift by e-transfer to offerings at rosewoodchurch.ca. That's O-F-F-E-R-I-N-G-S at rosewoodchurch.ca. Or you can mail your check to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue, Scarborough, Ontario. Thank you for giving to support this preaching and teaching ministry. I'm Pastor Nick, wishing you God's blessings throughout this week. Amen.